What's up, everybody? Welcome to Mongols, brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network. I'm Mike. With me is Kev, Josh, and Steve. The Hounds had a massive week. Tons of details to get through. But first, yeah, we got some we got some feedback going on there. Somebody's watching this live. Uh, Kev, we missed you last week. I got two big questions for you, and they're and they're sort of hanging on everyone's mind. Number one, how was the Tay Tay concert? Oh, I was waiting for the follow-up. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it was it was amazing. I mean, every everything that led up to it was her- was terrible. Uh, we went on Sunday night, and that's when all the storms came through, and everything was delayed, and lightning delays. People were shoved in like you know, crowded areas for like four hours, and it was just that wasn't good. The show was amazing. Uh, it, she performed in like, you know, a downpour of rain for like the vast majority of the show. Uh, stopped playing after 1.30 in the morning. We got back at the hotel after two in the morning. Um, yeah. A night to remember. It was an awesome show. If you can, I, she'll be in Pittsburgh. And if you can, I know a lot of people stand outside of the stadiums now because you can hear the show and you can still see the screen most of the time and see her like on the screen. It's still, you know, well shot and everything. Get down there, check it out. It was it was great. You're you're gonna come up for that concert, aren't you? Not a hounds game. You'll come <laughs> you know, up and stand outside the concert. I'm, I'm I'm not I'm not even joking. Uh, I act. We Riley and I will actually be in town during the Pittsburgh show because we're coming up for like mm. thirty six mm. hours. Mm. Well, of course, for Riley's childhood friends first kid's first birthday okay that's those things last like an hour like yeah you could you could take some time out to go a hounds game when when is this we're gonna let's go you you don't have time to look at a schedule just give us dates Mm -hmm. i think june 16th it's the summer of the hounds there's like a hounds game every day (laughs) i'm sure you'll be able to make one sure yeah 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 um my second question i totally missed it who scored the hound the the goal for the hounds in uh new england game Mm Who was that? I was waiting for this. I was <laughs> I was fully prepared. I know, you know, it's like I go away and then everything happens. You know, Griffin right. comes back. We, you know, two huge wins, and you know what? I should. I, I need to just quit the podcast, and then everything will come up <laughs> roses for for everyone. Maybe I, I just want to say, Kevin, to your defense, you could say one huge win. And we'll talk about why Birmingham wasn't a huge win later, but. Oh, okay. Well, that's, that's interesting. I, yeah. I, I do have one complaint here, Mike. Um, if any episode deserved a full-throated let's, let's go, go. Yeah. it was this episode. So, so let's just let, circle back. Uh, okay. Let's <laughs> like we just start the podcast. Okay. Okay. Hold on. Because I don't I don't have the intros written down anymore. So here's what I do, though. Do you have a victory beverage ready yet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm gonna do the intro. I'll do the let's go, and then you crack it. All right. This better be good. Don't this this better be like your best crack ever. (laughs) What's up, everybody? Welcome to Mongols brought to you by the Beautiful Gun Network. I'm Mike Lucas, Kev, Josh, and Steve. The Hounds got a massive win, and we are gonna talk all about it. Let's go. That's a pretty good one. I was going to like shake up the beer first. And then, I mean, sorry, the beverage first. And then... uh, but we got to say, you don't just have one victory beverage. You have two, right? I do have a second We're, one. Well, let's save, save the oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Save I mean, it for a second. Um, yeah. So, guys, tons, tons to talk about in this one. Um, first and foremost, 
The Hounds head to Foxborough. It was the Bob Lilly versus Bruce Arena showdown. None of us thought they were going to pull it off. I mean, New England is the number one team in MLS or was the number one team in the MLS going into that game. Um, playing at Foxborough, Bruce Arena had never lost uh, an Open mm-hmm. Cup game there. And the Hounds stroll in and walk away with a one nothing pretty decisive win. Like it, it felt very much like new England thought they could sleepwalk their way through it. And when you look at the actual chances in the game, the hounds had the better chances in the game. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Steve, give me a, give me a takeaway from that. game. Um, so I'm going to rip off Bob Lilly and say the best that this team has played all season, including in practice. Um, like, I mean, it was, it was insane watching, watching the way that the hounds came out. Um, and that was, that was a hounds team with quite a bit of rotation, um, players that have not seen the starting 11 much, uh, throughout half the lineup, other guys that have been bit part players throughout the season coming in and not looking scared at all. I mean, players like Tola and DZ just, looking strong throughout the game, making runs, putting pressure on the defense. Um, I wrote up a, a, a post on Reddit saying, this is not, as much as people are going to say, this is a classic Bob Lilly 1-0 win. It's not a classic Bob Lilly 1-0 win. It's, it's a completely different style of a 1-0 win. And the only reason it was a 1-0 win uh, was because it wasn't a 3-3 draw, which it easily could have been. Um, and that's due to, I mean, I mean, a sublime pass by Yabara on the outside of his foot squeaks it through. I mean, probably only had millimeters in either side of the defenders to get that ball through to Danny and Danny's finish was just insane. Um, but this game had chances. It was fine. I'm kidding. Right. Like, <laughs> <laughs> this game had chances both ways. Um, it could have easily been a high scoring game. Um, but what made the difference from my perspective was that new England with, I mean, a 50% starting lineup and a lot of young, promising players um, and players that have been good in American soccer levels, right? Like, I mean, Latif Blessing has been good in MLS when he was with LA. Um, uh, Not able to break down the Riverhounds press and not able to get the ball into the attacking third very often. And when they did, I mean, sure, heroics by... um, uh, by laser to clear a ball off the line that should have been a goal, right? Like in a lot of games would have been a goal. Um, it was those, it was those little moments here and there that I think made the difference. Um, it's a fantastic game. I loved everything about it. I had buddies over. My one buddy is sitting there like, get the ball to the expletive end line, get the ball to the expletive end line. Like, <laughs> like in the last three minutes, like, like this is a guy that like he gets animated, but like, I mean, man, it was so funny. Cause he's like standing up pointing at the TV. Like we had a blast. Josh, I feel like every time we say laser now, you should take a drink. Like, I think that replaces the Tyler Pasher. <laughs> but in a positive way. In a positive, you know, exactly. It's a yeah. positive thing. Yeah, Turning yeah. a new leaf. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, well, we have to talk about Pasher later anyway. So plenty of drinking to be had. Uh, but yeah, it, <laughs> situation, this game, yeah, I remember we got the draw. Everyone's kind of bummed out. It's like, oh man, another, another you know year where we don't get to host an MLS team to like, you know, have that moment again, like we did against DC United in 2015, just, you know, being sad and be like, all right, let's, let's do this. Let's see how they do. And as the game went on, you're just like, we're going to, we're going to pull this off. Like it felt like a game that was tilted our way 
pretty much the whole time as far as I was concerned. Like it, it, it felt like we were in it. Obviously we were in it because we won, but like just not there wasn't really a moment where I was like, man, they're not going to pull this off. Like it, it felt good. Uh, and just the goal being from Danny and him just coming back to the club. It's just like a magical, like, you know, like perfect storyline, well-written. Mm -hmm. uh, so it was just all great. And yeah, it was a fun game to watch. And yeah, then we'll talk about the draw afterwards, but yeah. Well, and I mean, we it too, it, that wasn't... Danny's goal sort of felt like it came from nothing. Like to your point, Steve, if you watch Ibarra make that pass, you're like, what do you do? What? Like it was like <laughs> a little outside of the foot dunk mm -hmm. and Danny was there to get it. We had better opportunities. Tola mm -hmm. had one like story of his life fall to him that he unfortunately put wide. The, the, the one of the last plays of the game where mm -hmm. Kenny is dribbling into wide open space or of all people is running forward and tells him to slow down. Then Kenny passes it to Ordonez, and Ordonez <laughs> decides to go to goal with Dequo wide open to his left and shoots it. What you could see at that point, Dequo wasn't even upset. He just looked at him and was like, dude, <laughs> dude, dude. Yeah. So, like, yeah, yeah. It, it was it was insane. Kev, what, what were your thoughts on this one? Well, it's funny. I was going to say, I remember two moments from this game, the Griffin goal and the Ordonez, like, <laughs> club. Um, and yeah. <laughs> Because I remember, I was, I was thinking, okay, well, first of all, the whole like, like you just said it there. I know the commentator was like, oh, Ordonez was telling like Kenny to take it to the corner. Like, how do we know that? I don't know. <laughs> like, it doesn't matter. But like, I don't think Ordonez is telling Kenny to do anything. Kenny can look back at him and be like, excuse me, like who are you? <laughs> like, like I know, I know what I'm doing. So, I don't know. But yeah, and I, I mean, yeah, he, I was. It's funny, like being one nil up with that much time to go and. Usually I'd be like, all right, yeah, like take a shot, whatever. But mm -hmm. I, I was oddly upset with Ordonez. I was like, you idiot. Like you could have put put it away and gave it to Deco and let it like let Deco finish. But uh, no, I mean, it was, I mean, what, looking back at the stats, New England have one shot on target. No, I know that yeah. like shots on target don't explain the full like chances created or whatever. Mm -hmm. But, you know, for a side like that they have going up against, you know, I don't want to talk down to us, obviously, but like an MLS side going up against a USL side at home, you would expect them to put more than one shot on target. Um, and yeah, we didn't like, there wasn't any fear uh, in, in the Riverhounds players. I mean, they, mm -hmm. they were willing to go toe to toe with them and then they, you know, and, and to, and, and to back up a little bit, Mike, you said for, no one, no one, uh, no one called it. Well, I, I think I remember scrolling through our Slack channel or something. Liz, Liz called it. Liz, Liz called, yeah, Liz called a win. Um, there was one other person in the predictions that called a win, but everyone else called a loss. So, yeah. And I mean, Josh, you, me, Justin, we all called like three nothing losses. Like it mm -hmm. wasn't even close. We thought we were just going to get smashed here. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, going up against the number one team in MLS and thinking, you know, okay, yeah, this is, they're a great team. And kind of also shows like, you know, passion, what's involved there, just who wants it more. Like there's a lot of factors in here and obviously uh, rotation on their side as well. But I mean, let's not forget like Josie Altador was yeah. on the field with our players mm -hmm. and he completely whipped that one ball. That was <laughs> I, I appreciated the Steel Army tweet that came out today saying that his ball finally landed uh, back on the field today. <laughs> it was like the klaxon alarm emoji. <laughs> just like this announcement that's just in. <laughs> Altidore's ball has finally landed. 
Yeah, I mean, it, you know, we talked a little bit last week about how Don Garber, the commissioner of MLS, was basically poo-pooing the Open Cup heading into this round, basically saying that from a um, from a viewer's perspective, he didn't think it was a good enough product. <laughs> and so the Open Cup sort of got defensive and was like, yeah, we agree, you know, some of these fields and yada, it could all be better, blah, 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 blah. But then to see your best team lose to, you know, at that point, a middle of the pack USL mm -hmm. team. And it, yes, mm -hmm. there's rotation for New England. But at that point, we're basically, there was rotation for us too. You're yeah. basically saying that a starting USL team, in this case, was better mm -hmm. than the bench of an MLS team. So when you talk about closing that gap, now listen, there were only two teams in the USL that made it through to the next round and Birmingham played Memphis. So someone was making it through regardless. Mm -hmm. We were the only team that beat an MLS team. But regardless, this is a pretty big vote. You, you look at this, you look at um, what Sacramento did last year, like the gap is closing. If ever so slightly, it's still starting to close. And what? There were two games that went to penalties as mm -hmm. well between USL teams and MLS teams, right? So it's not, yeah, like thrilled to be one of two teams and the only one with a cup set. But there were other teams that were competitive throughout their games. I mean, there were some teams that were not competitive from the USL, but there were teams that were competitive and pushed it to the last possible moment. Yeah. Kevin, I, I, I always love when like cup competitions come out and say things like that. And then inevitably like things happen that just prove their exact opposite, you know, thing that the narrative they're trying to push. Now I understand this is kind of like a, there's a fine line with this argument because still on the whole, like when you look at the averages, yes, in general, the dominant expected, you know, highly resourced clubs tend mm -hmm. to go through. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there's always those, magic. Those who well, cheat and watch the other team practice, just like Orlando <laughs> did last year. But, yeah, but I mean, but I mean, to your point, Kevin, right? Like, I mean, I don't, I don't know how much uh, Carlos Heel, uh, his like fee was from uh, where did he come from, Villa. Um, uh, but between him and uh, Romney, right? Like, I mean, you're talking about multiple millions of dollars in transfer fees, right? Much less salary, right? Like, that's what they're, that's two of their five subs that they're bringing on, which is blowing away the entire operating budget of the Riverhounds. And they can't, they can't find a goal. Fantastic. Yeah. 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 Kev, the other thing that uh, I was pretty excited about. Uh, mainly for you, because I knew that you'd be down about Danny Griffin coming back and scoring. Uh, Junior Edo. I'm not gets... down. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is why I, at some point I need to have my Griffin monologue because words get twisted in my, you know, so I'll, at some point I will, I will do my Danny Griffin monologue, but what you said. Go ahead. Let's right. go. I'll put him on the spot right now. How do you Danny Griffin monologue? He hasn't written it but, out yet. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, the, the nuance around my outlook on Griffin, I, he, he is a good player who who has a great engine, who has a phenomenal injury record, who plays minute after minute and is solid in the midfield. I just feel like like I don't I think you're I think you're I think you have a problem as a team if Griffin is your like best player. Now I don't think anyone's saying Griffin's our best player. I'm not like, but I think he technically had two goals in two games, but go ahead. Sure, well, fine. But then if you want to say he's our best player, I'm saying we have problems because I'm, I don't I'm, like, yeah. you know. I'm not and, saying he's our best player. 
But he I'm unlocks saying, something with our best players, mm-hmm. I yes. feel like. And that's kind of like the key with, with mm-hmm. Griffin. There's a reason why he plays like freaking every single game last year. And so far, every game he's been, you know, mm-hmm. that we've had since he's come back. It's it, He does unlock something. And while you don't always get your best player, the stats on the you know board don't show your best player sometimes. He is mm-hmm. definitely a key player in unlocking what this team can achieve. Mm-hmm. I agree. No, he, he's... I, I sort of liken him to, we had talked a few weeks ago about Dequa and how, and, and, you know, our, we're going to talk a lot about Dequa in this episode, but um, we had said that Dequa may not be the most pure scorer. He may not draw the most files, but he is a consistent, like eight out of 10 every single week. So where you might have other guys that might be more pure finishers, they may only get an opportunity once every four games, Mm -hmm. whereas Dequa is just going to bust his butt and be that consistent eight out of 10 for you. And I think that's Danny too. Like he may not set the world ablaze, but he's all, you know what you're going to get out from him every single week. And so I'm not putting him on the same level as Dequa. I, okay. th- I, I think Dequa, he's becoming for me, like clearly our best player of the season so far. I mean, I, I wouldn't have. Current top goal scorer in yeah. uh, the ULS or USL. I mean, uh, nine, yeah. nine goals in 10 games. Yeah, I mean, it's ridiculous. insane. Ian, pretty good. So are we switching to Dequa in this New New England game? Because I've got something to say about him in the New England game, right? Oh, okay. Steve's new best friend. Go ahead. um, (laughs) I asked him about this, right, on on, on Saturday night. But, I mean, I think a lot of eyebrows were raised when he's coming in with 11 minutes left to play. Mm -hmm. And his first touch was exactly what that game needed at that point. It's a chest like a ball off his chest with his back to goal defenders closing in on him. And I don't remember who he passed it to, but he's got three midfielders that he's looking at and he can see where the field is. He's doing that. He gets in the game. He's bringing the ball to the corner. Um, I mean, he he had a, he had a moment uh, against uh, Birmingham towards the end of the game where how did he get to that ball in the corner towards the end of the game and keep it alive, right? Like, but that's why he's there because he's not just the guy that is currently banging goals, but his presence on the field is that control and that settling presence when he's got his back towards goal, which I don't think we've really seen uh, since uh, Steven Dos Santos. I think there can be, and I, I mentioned this on Twitter during the game, I think there can be a legitimate conversation about him being USL MVP this season. If you look at it, in terms of letter of the law of the importance of a player to their team. Mm -hmm. I don't know if there's any other player in the USL that's as important to their team right now as Dequa is to the Hounds Mm -hmm. and sort of what he does. So whether or not that continues, we'll see. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, the fact that he's scored three quarters of our goals so far this year, one of the questions that kept coming to my mind in in the Birmingham game, which I know we're sort of crossing a bridge here a little bit, but we're going to come back was, I personally would like to see more scoring depth, but in the USL, is it really a problem when the guy has nine goals in 10 games? Like you'd love to see more, but you also can't really complain about it. So if you build a team around this guy and he delivers, is there really something wrong with that? Mm -hmm. It's, It's getting harder and harder for me to make that argument. So I don't think we're building a team around him, though. That's the thing. I think he just happens to keep scoring our goals. <laughs> That's it. I mean, so I don't know. But I, but I, I mean, 
but he's one of the players that is key to our recent results. I mean, yeah, of course. You, yeah. I mean, right? Like, I mean, with no, I mean, I, pre- I predicted, yeah, I predicted a Birmingham win because I didn't think Dequa would score two goals. <laughs> like, I, I was like, all right, Dequa, like statistically he has the numbers mm-hmm. that he should have for the next couple games. And so like, he's not going to keep scoring, right. He's not going to, he's not going to put up Holland numbers, but like maybe he will. I mean, he scores two goals in Birmingham and we win the game two one. So, yeah. I think there is something too, and we're going to talk about this in the Birmingham game. Um, there's something to this offense, we'll call it, or this system that Lily has started playing since Danny Griffin is back that I think favors somebody like Dequa even more. And when we were asking the question of like, where is our offense going to come from? Mm-hmm. There is now Dequa and then legitimately five guys behind him that are in the box making stuff happen. And I know you're saying four, Kev. <laughs> I'm going to say that, you know, there were moments in the game against Birmingham where I was really impressed with Blackstock and DZ because I think that what they offer you is not just someone that's going to get deep and send in crosses. Mm-hmm. They are going to cut inside from time to time and they're going to try to take shots. Mm-hmm. And there were a couple of times where you had sort of had everybody in the box and all of a sudden DZ pops up wide open on the side, or you had uh, Blackstock pop up wide open. Blackstock gets the assist on Dequa's second goal. Mm-hmm. And I think when you sort of think about it, if you have Dequa at the point and then you have Mertz, Griffin, and Griffin who you know scored in the Birmingham game and it was rolled off, mm-hmm. uh, and Kenny right behind him, and then you have these two guys pinching in from the corners, that's a lot of bodies in the box that can make stuff happen. Mm-hmm. And so to your point, I do think that Deke was like the guy getting it done right now. But, you know, if he didn't get that second head, if he, mm-hmm. if he didn't get the second goal, Griffin got that header before our second goal. So we could just as easily be talking about Deke and Griffin scoring against Birmingham. Mm-hmm. So there are, it feels like the winds are changing a little bit in terms of how we're approaching this offense, um, which is interesting. But the one thing I wanted to come back to Kev, your boy, Junior Eto'o back had no idea it was coming just saw him yeah. i saw him like standing on the sideline and i was like who is, who is that and immediately came right back in and the change of pace was like who like what what just happened like went from zero to 50 and um yeah he's so good uh, <laughs> uh, i mean it's because like there i don't know i saw it he i i need to be careful here because like i don't want to just keep singing like his praises contextualizing him as like somehow like significantly better than every, like every other midfielder we have. That's not what I'm saying. I, but I, I think he does things regularly in games that other midfielders of ours don't tend to do. One of my favorite things he does is when he wins the ball for us, he retains possession and turns it defense into attack quickly. And so I think, you know, Griffin, Mertz, Forbes, you know, they they can put in a shift defensively and they can break up play um, and they can go in for kind of second balls or 50-50s and, you know, win possession back for us. But Etu, just his positioning, the way he sees the game, the way he steps in front of passes, the way he wins the ball back while he's standing on his feet and just immediately with his head up knows where our forwards are and just quickly transitions into it. He did that on a couple occasions just mm-hmm. from already being back that, that I watched. So now I think, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden, you know, Mike, I, I, I was kind of making fun when you suggested, you know, like a, a f- like 
like a five two two one or a four two two two. All of a sudden, the five two two one looks really great because you know we don't have any real out and out wide players. But now with Etu back coming back, especially we have a bunch of pretty good midfielders. So mm-hmm. and you know we we found something. We found a way to get them all on the field at the same time, and they're all playing really well together. Oh, that was that was gonna be my question. Is how does he like it seemed like start of the season he was starting for us. How does he get back into this lineup? Like the, the past few games, Lily seemed to have liked playing Griffin, Mertz, Kenny as sort of attacking midfielders. He's been using either Zweltsuit or Ibarra as a holding mm-hmm. mid. Does Etu see any of those guys? I think Zweltsuit, yeah. Um I have to give is it up. Is he to- a holding mid? Etu? Yeah, would you consider yeah. him to be a pure holding mid? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I would want Mertz and Griffin and probably even Forbes higher up the field than than Etu. Um, I want Etu winning balls back mm-hmm. and transitioning into attack quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, but to give credit to Ibarra, I haven't. I mean, I haven't. I haven't sung his praises enough. I think he's had a really good mm-hmm. season. I, I he. I was really suspect of him. The first I remember, few games were questionable. Yeah, 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 and I think he's turned it around a lot. He, Agreed. I think, you know, I think he got physically mm-hmm. like more in shape over over the off season. He looks faster. He looks like he has a longer. He has a bigger engine. He looks stronger, and he's kind of using his build to his advantage. And it's, it's but he's not just all physical. I mean, he makes a great pass for Griffin mm-hmm. in the uh, you know in the New England game. He had he has vision and he mm-hmm. he has some level of leadership that's kind of starting to ooze out of him a little bit too. And no, I think I think yeah. Abara has been great. So yeah, I don't I I think Abara, Forbes, Griffin, and Mertz are all playing really well right now. Mm-hmm. And in that sense, it's hard to see how who Etu comes in for. But you know. So let the were, let let the five of them fight it out for four positions or something. Right. I don't know. For Etu, you weren't surprised that he didn't start for the the following game, the um, Birmingham, Birmingham game. game. Not not entirely, just because like I don't really know how they want to bring him back in after being out for a while. Um, That's fair, and I, I don't know his like health level if he like if right. they're feeling like he's a full match fitness yet. So I didn't know if that was the the situation there or because yeah, when I saw him not in the starting lineup, I'm like hmm. I wonder what uh, Kevin's going to think about this. <laughs> yeah, I think it, it's one of those where I think it's after uh, being out for a while, you know, mm-hmm. I know other people have said, like, it's not even just, like, how f- physically fit you feel, but it's getting the rhythm mm-hmm. back in your legs of, like, match speed. And yeah. so, I don't know. I'll, I'll chalk it up to that. But once, I mean, I don't think Sweatsley's playing particularly poorly either. I mean, that's yeah. the thing. I mean, mm-hmm. All, you know, all the midfielders are playing really well right now. So mm-hmm. I think this is, this is probably a really good problem to have. Yeah. So, I mean, a couple things on that. I mean, so um, Junior was no contact in practice. What was that? Uh, almost two weeks ago when I was down and talked to Eddie. Um mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, he was there, but like no contact, still had the big brace on, comes in in the 79th minute in the game against New England. Um, 
So yeah, obviously I don't think he's going to be the starter the next week, but that shows that he's making fast, fast progress, right? Like going from not able to have contact on a Thursday to a week and a half later on a Tuesday, there he is in a game to on Saturday, he's, he's playing even more minutes. Um, to, to the Ibarra point, I mean, that's a, like Bob's got his work cut out for him at this point. Cause in this game against new England, Ibarra had a 86.2% pass accuracy. Um, which is one of his best of the seasons. And he had the team winning uh, 10, like winning the possession 10 times, um, which was the best of anybody on the team. Um, throughout the season, as Bob has talked about Ybarra, I mean, he's comparing him to having almost all the tools that he sees with Kenny, right? Like, like I think that Bob sees Ybarra's ceiling is really, really high if he takes hold of it and continues to develop his game. Bob really likes him. You can see that in the way that he's put him in putting him in. Um, and, and I think the thing that I've noticed with Mark is throughout the season, even when he's not showing up on the stat sheets, even when he's making errant passes at times, his ability to hustle and get in positions where he's able to win balls is I think one of the strongest things that he's able to do. And you have to watch that, right? Like that's not showing up on your normal everyday USL stats. But if you're looking deeper into some of those, you're seeing that he is, he's, he's a guy that's everywhere and he's getting those second balls um and, and really making a difference on the field and so you're right but but i think the other thing that's really important is as soon as we re-sign griffin like the conversation starts to be okay so who's getting dropped right and and who's doing what and my immediate thought was is he becoming more of a number eight that box-to-box -box midfielder at this point and i'm not quite sure he's been quite that yet wait griffin like, or ibarra griffin yeah, okay. Right. Like, like I'm not quite sure he's been box to box in a game, but throughout a game, he's been box to box with people like Trevor and Yabara behind him. And I think that's just going to continue as Junior works his way into the lineup. And so who's dropped? Yabara, Kizza, right? Like, yeah. And then I mean, first, I, yeah. when Rovi gets healthy, right? Like, like Bob's right. got some really Huge. hard decisions yeah. to make. It, that's fantastic. I don't remember a Hounds team where I've been able to say there are four guys sitting on the bench that could be in this starting lineup yeah. as opposed to those are the first four subs, right? Like, like, I think that's the difference. Any one of those four guys on the bench could be starters in any game and they're coming off the bench just because there's not room. You can't put 15 players on the field. Yeah. And just a quick follow up on that. I mean, you mentioned, I don't know, you know, you didn't know if Griffin's like an in eight box mm -hmm. box kind of player. I mean, I think he's being played as a 10 right now. Like he's, he's a straight up attacking midfielder who is told to crash the box and get goals and, you know, and he has an eye for it. So, you know, we'll... well, as much as there can be a 10 in a Bob Lilly offense, where right? uh, yeah. he, he, Robbie <laughs> yeah. and Kenny can be whatever they want. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's, that's sort of the scariest thing is the number of times in both the Birmingham game and the new England game where Griffin or Mertz or mm -hmm. Kenny would just pop up wherever and you're and you're not surprised to see them there. Like they they sort of all That's three the of thing. them sort of have like a level of maturity and and professionalism in their game mm -hmm. that when they're on the ball, you are confident that they're going to do good things with it. And you're not surprised that they're popping up to play defense or pushing for or whatever. They're just they're everywhere. I think the switch mm -hmm. is happening that earlier in the season these positions would have been taken up by Kiza or Lopez or mm -hmm. you know showing me coming off as a sub, and now maybe over the course of the season, Bob has had enough evidence where he's looking at it's like, okay, well, you know, if I think Griffin and Mertz, especially Mertz, uh, can give us, you know, 
anywhere close to similar attacking threats as Lopez or Kiza, but I know they're going to give me more defensively and like more energy and more, you know, mm -hmm. kind of, yeah. He, he's, he's turned into the, the Pep Guardiola Barcelona where you play eight midfielders on the field. And like you have one striker and you have your center back and your keeper and everyone else is a midfielder. And Bob Lilly. That's what it is. Bob like, Lilly, the new Pep Guardiola. No, I'm just, that. I'm not, that's not what I said. But I, I mean, look, Langston Blackstock comes in. We're all expecting him to be a striker. Blackstock's great. Winger. Yeah. You have he, DZ Harmon, who we're all expecting to be, uh, you know, a central midfielder. He's mm -hmm. playing as a winger. You have Nathan Dos Santos playing as center back, making runs mm -hmm. outside of Blackstock. I got as it. As a center back, like... I, I'll raise my hand and say I I earlier early in the season I was critical of DeSantos. And I think if you ever put him back at fullback, I'll be critical of him again. But <laughs> if you play him on the left side of a three center back system, I think he's doing okay. Yeah. He's doing great. Uh one negative thing I think for as far as this game goes, the open cup game. Um showing me I mean, baby giraffe a little bit, got that vibe going where his legs are constantly just in his own way and it just feels like this yeah stumbles off the on the ball yeah but you it, definitely feel for him i could not buy a goal that game like he just like every time he had a great opportunity he's like nope so josh does how does that paint your outlook for showing me for the rest of the season if, if we're in a scenario where we're at home it's one one and there's eight minutes to go in the game you know do you want to bring showing me on to try to like and if i mean i know yeah, he has flashes. I feel like Bob sees something mm -hmm. in him. Like there's, there has to be a reason why he constantly keeps on getting these opportunities. Because there's, there's no way that Bob would be putting him back in over and over and over again if he didn't see something there. Because he has options. It's not like showing me. He's like, well, that's the only person on the bench I really have to go in there. Right. It's so it's. I, I mm -hmm. do feel like there's something there, and he he looks good in flashes. Like there's just something. Yeah, at least for this game definitely was tripping his over his own legs uh multiple times this game uh and it became a little bit of a joke in the discord server uh, conversation for this game which just like drink he just tripped over his own feet <laughs> i mean but you know the other thing that i think it's very hard to keep in 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 uh, context is this is still his rookie year too mm -hmm. yeah so like you think back to dos santos and his rookie mm -hmm. year last year ibarra and his rookie mm -hmm. year last year so i do think kev to your point What's interesting is the conversation between Show and Me and Kizza, mm -hmm. because neither one yeah. of them have really yeah. done much, yeah. and neither one of them is gonna, you know, at this point take Dequa's spot. Um, yeah. Even, even, I mean, as we saw, I mean, right huh? now, right? I mean, yeah. Griffin's spot. Like, I think yeah. Griffin has kind of taken their spot in the system. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, I mean, so, so to to Tola's credit, I think the one thing that I've been impressed with is. Um, <clears throat> I, so in the was it the the Maryland game? I realized like uh, up to that point he was one of our most productive uh, providers. He was the first uh, player to. I mean, at the Maryland game, he was the only non-defender with an assist, and he had two after the Maryland game. Um, but I mean, I haven't had an in-depth conversation with him, but when I've asked him like, Hey, like, like that was, that was a close call. Right. Like, like he's like, yeah, he's like, I'm working hard. I'm going to get it. Right. Like, like he seems motivated and positive. And I think that to me is he's not like, yeah, you know what? Like, I don't know what's going on. Right. Like, he doesn't seem <laughs> defeated. Uh, shaken yeah. by it or defeated. Like he's positive about it. He's got a good attitude about it. He knows he can find a way to get there. So I think that's really, really encouraging. Um, 
I hope it happens soon because I don't know how much longer a player can take that at this point where he's had, what, nine good opportunities throughout the season so far that he's either put them on goal or over goal. I mean, he's had a few that, I mean, were good saves. But yeah. it's just like, I don't know, I was, I was joking with, with a friend the other day, like, like if you're putting money on it, who's getting their goal first? Is it him or Langston? Right now, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. He's I had think many more opportunities, many more minutes, but... Yeah. I, I only say that because Blackstock's supposedly playing as a defender now. It seems sure. Like. <laughs> sure. But it could right. be a scenario where, I don't know. And so in my view, it took a Ibarra a season to become the player he is now. And mm-hmm. maybe it's just the same thing with showing me. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, even think about Dequa. When Dequa first yeah. came in, he was sort of playing second fiddle to. He's freaking amazing now. Yeah. And now yeah, he's right. him. <laughs> so. Man, I, Josh, I think you remember. That that Steel Army Christmas party where Bob came and was talking about the player with USL experience that was super young that was going to be every bit as good as Nico Brett, if not better. And I think like the season starts and we're all looking at like, really, Rapapa Mensa is going to be that guy? <laughs> like, okay, like he's got some talent. I've not asked Bob this. I should probably at some point. I don't know if he'll remember that conversation, but like. Everything, I'm, convinced, that's true, that's true. I'm convinced that it had to have been Deco that he was talking about. Yeah. Like, if it wasn't, it right. is now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yep, I was talking about Deco the whole time. <laughs> well, sure guys, was. I guess back back to the Open Cup. We now move on to the next round, where the draw was this past week. The Hounds are going to face Columbus Crew at home Whew. on Wednesday, May 24th at 7 p.m. Josh, you are a Crew fan. What's uh, what, what is your you read do? on this game? Hashtag unsave the crew. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was one draw. That's it. Yeah, <laughs> no, it, it's it's awesome. I mean, like, it's the fact that it is crew, I think, is even cooler because of the fact that crew is a well known team, it will draw people in. Like, I was trying to think about like, would like a uh like New England, for example, like I know they're well known, but they're not really a history or like people in Pittsburgh don't really care. I don't think about they don't think of that team as far as MLS goes, but mm-hmm. people here know the Columbus crew. So I feel like this was a great draw for us. I've we've played them in the past away and, it, you know, those, those games I was hoping we'd play at home. So obviously no torn allegiances here. It's a uh, it's <laughs> the underdogs all the way the the river rounds but it's it's definitely going to be crazy to see the columbus crew at highmark stadium um and i'm super looking forward to it and i, I know whole- nothing about the crew this season would would like are they good i, I mean I, look we just beat the number one team in mls at their home so anything is yeah. possible but I, you know yeah they're, your- they're not like terrible team they're definitely not like top of the table but they're they're doing pretty decent this year um but it's also like i don't really know what that means as far as like this team or this this mm-hmm. game like how how serious will they take it because they're they're still you know it's pretty easy to make the playoffs this year in mls so it's one of those things where like i don't think they're like going to be holding back because they're worried about players getting you know injured or, or getting uh out of game fitness for the next game and they're trying to make the playoffs because they're probably going to make the playoffs at least the way it's looking Steve, it looks like you just look up the standings. I mean, so they're they're ahead of a couple of other teams because of games played, but there are 
6th through 12th are all sitting on 15 points in the East, right? Like, like they're not, they're, 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 not they're as away. high as six, but they're as low as 12th, depending on results in the next couple of weeks, right? Like, like things could change really fast for them. So I don't know that it's a given that they're just assuming it's easy to make the playoffs at, the t- at this time when they're only four of those nine teams are going to be in the playoffs. 18 teams make the uh, the playoffs this year between the West and the East. Yeah, but it's nine and nine, right? Yeah. So, I mean, that's that's still nine. The top nine make sure. the playoffs. So, it's... Yeah. Yeah. But they so, can drop. They can you're, drop. you're starting to sound like a crew yeah. fan again now, Josh, where you're like, ah, six or 12. They'll make I'm it. Saying, I'm just saying. It, I'm, I'm trying to keep it in perspective as far as, like, I don't know what they're going to bring to yeah. Highmark Stadium. And there's also this yeah. other kind of factor when playing at Highmark, especially for top, like, for MLS teams. We play on turf. Uh, it's a small turf field. It's yeah. a small turf. Uh, just turf in general. Mm-hmm. Are they going to want to play their best players on turf? Like, I, it sounds silly. Like, you know, it's not like it's got a really dangerous field to play on. But that matters to a lot of players. And that matters to a lot of top players where they're like, I'm not going to play on turf. And so, like, maybe we don't see those players. Well, and this I mean, is what? Th- there's 16 teams left in this round, right? I think. Yeah, yeah it's around 16. Um, so like, even like at this stage, it's not unheard of for like, you know, top league teams to still rotate pretty heavily. Right. I mean, so I I, I don't know, but I guess, I guess I got to think that, do they want to be the MLS team that gets knocked off in the round of 16 by a USL team, right? (laughs) Like, like, like that's what there's only two that are possible. Do they want to be the one? Like that's, that's a risk that I don't know if I'm a coach I'm willing to take at that point. Like, I think I want to play a strong game and if we get beat, we get beat, but we're going out to win because we don't want that upset again. I think it's always interesting. Yeah. I don't know. It's all game theory at this point. I'd be kind of curious to see what the new England fans, how they reacted to like going out of the open cup. Like I, I don't know. I, I part of me was like, like would think, ah, whatever. Yeah, it's not great that we went out against the USL team, especially at home. But like, I don't yeah. know. What can you do? Um, but yeah. Hmm. Um, I don't know. I, so it looks like our host dropped off. I can. I can. <laughs> <laughs> so so we talked a little bit about the draw. Um, I don't know. Is there anything else you want to talk about Columbus before uh, moving on to to Birmingham? Just that it's a huge, you know, opportunity for. Pittsburgh for the Hounds. Uh, something to keep in mind is hosting the this round. I believe is like twenty five thousand dollars to host. Um, so that's awesome. what the Hounds are paying to host. Oh, mm-hmm. I thought that's what we we're getting. No, that's no, not what we're getting. It's what we have to pay to host. Now, I also believe that uh, like if we're the last lower league team, we make twenty five k. So yeah. like it could be a wash in that uh, aspect. But I mm-hmm. think there's also a percentage that we have to pay the federation from ticket sales and stuff like that, or like money we make, but still mm-hmm. we're selling out. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. we've been selling out it's all these out. games. Yeah. We've talked about, you know, in the regular season, we're selling out games. This game's going to be a sellout. I have no doubt. It's a midweek game. It's going to be a sellout. It's going to mm-hmm. be a big deal. We sold out uh, when DC United was here. So I, I mm-hmm. seriously doubt we don't sell out this game. I literally just want to go get tickets. Um, 
I don't know if you guys talked about, I'm sorry, I dropped there for a second, the whole kerfuffle with trying to get tickets early <laughs> on. Um, so originally, if you were trying to get tickets, as soon as they went on sale, the team was selling them as a package along with the game this weekend. And Josh, you mentioned that sort of the rationale there was to try to keep some of the Columbus fans from buying things out. So I was able to get five tickets, um, but there wasn't a lot of, it was like supporter section and there was like one or two seats elsewhere. So this will very mm -hmm. much be another sellout. And that would be, I mean, we'll see how the Vegas games goes, but that's three sellouts and three home games so far this, this year. What's yeah. the, like, what's like the average ticket price for this game? I can tell you that supporter section is $30 uh, for okay. this game. Uh, normally, supporter section was like $15 if you're not a season ticket holder or a yeah. member. Like, I believe that's what tickets usually cost. So it's double the price, but it's still pretty reasonable. Looking around the league, looking at other Open Cup matches, they're they're going for a lot more. Like, I've seen something like $75 for, like, standing room only in California. Um, so there's definitely differences in prices yeah i mean for very very general estimates right what 30 yeah. bucks times five thousand you're getting one hundred fifty thousand. uh and that's for the so. cheapest ticket because right. uh mm -hmm. the sports section at highmark is the cheapest ticket you can buy yep yep yeah so yeah so i mean looking at right now um oh, lost the lost the page but i mean 200 and something supporter section tickets and a handful like i mean you're talking about uh, just a few tickets in the rest of the stadium right now. Um, uh, now you didn't hear from me, but like, I got a feeling standing room only tickets are going to be sold if they sell yes, out. Yes. No, I mean, a I, mean, long time. I mean, they've been doing that for the whole season, right? I mean, isn't yeah. the capacity listed at 5,000 and yeah. we've had how many games with 5,200 tickets sold, but I mean, no, like, I mean, like, like 25 tickets outside of the supporter section are currently on sale. The question is, I mean, talking to, to Nicole uh, and Jeff uh, on Saturday is it sounds like as they get uh, info from season ticket holders to release their tickets, that they're not going to pay their invoice for that, that they're releasing tickets as they come back. But um, right now you're talking about 300 tickets left in the stadium. It's not a lot of tickets. No. It's fantastic. I feel like locally it hasn't really been hyped at all. Like if you're a Hounds fan, like you know about the game, but it hasn't been on the news as much. And once that happens, like well, there was a well, lot I don't of think they have to either. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There was yeah. a lot of press as soon as we won that uh, New England game. I it was on different KD like KD KDKA. It was mm -hmm. had it on there. I saw like tweets from a lot of like Pittsburgh personalities uh, talking about the Hounds winning and going to the next round of the Open Cup. I did mm -hmm. honestly. I did not watch the whole clip of the KDK thing because I believe uh, I forget what the guy's name is. But he's like, "So what's this mean? If we win, do we, do we get into MLS?" I'm like, "Okay, turn off. I don't want <laughs> to hear some Joe Schmo talk about something he doesn't understand or doesn't know about." Yeah. But but yeah, it, it's it's gonna be huge. It's gonna be a. It's the fact that this is happening midweek and we're talking about a sellout. I mean, that tells mm -hmm. you how big it is. Yeah, I'm just excited. Yep. The, win the winner of that game will end up playing either Red Bulls or Cincinnati. That's mm -hmm. that's sort of our bracket, and then we move on. I, For whatever reason, I thought whenever the draw went down, if we were to win, we would also host, but I think that's not the case. No. I think, we yeah, we travel to either New York or Cincinnati. Yeah. Um, you know, drivable trip for sure. Um, before before moving on to that, uh, last, you know, last Open Cup game, we're playing New England, you know, showing me Kizza failing, I'll start. You think there? You think anyone like that starting against Columbus? This, this is going to be at home. I feel like 
we're going to see a regular starting lineup. I, I don't yeah. feel like Bob was be like, yeah, we'll grow out something. Right. And I think <laughs> you, you kind of have to like, this is a big deal. You don't want to get blown out. I mean, obviously you're playing an MLS team. We talked about the price difference and, and mm-hmm. all that stuff. It kind of, you can't expect too much from the hounds, but they're going to make a show of it. And well, I got a feeling also it's, Who's going to want it a little bit more right now? And who's going to be showing up with passion? And yeah. you never know what's going to happen in these uh, opening up games. Just look yeah. at the last no, I, to, to answer your question, Kevin, it's not that game, right? Like that that's Las Vegas on, on Saturday, right? Like yeah. you're talking about the team that hasn't been able to win yeah. coming to town. Like that's where you're going to see those guys and probably still go out and get a result. And what do you do against a team that's, I mean, they've got the third least points, but they still haven't actually won a game. Yeah. Um, at least the teams that are lower than, if you look at the two teams in the East, Hartford and Detroit, have both at least won. Like Las Vegas yeah. can't score; they can't win. Yeah, they're 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 in bad shape. Agreed. Guys, let's talk a little bit just about this Birmingham game. I know we've already spent a decent amount of time talking about it, but the Hounds win two to one. Josh. Mm-hmm. There you go. Ooh, Hopefully right, you finished good. that first one. Or, no. Oh, it's been gone for a while. I'm like, okay, good. Um, Hounds win two to one. Uh, we we referenced that you know both goals come from Chico. Chico now has nine goals in ten games, leads the league in the Golden Boot. I just sort of assumed that he would be the USL Players of the Week and the, or Player of the Week, and then Russell Cicerone goes and gets a hat trick for Sacramento because of course he does. Um, but Chico still has nine, and the two guys behind him are Cicerone and Dixon with seven each. So I mean that's that's a case right there of when they are able to be the guys. Like they can be the guys and it just mm-hmm. might've been too much here at one time. Um, yeah, guys, any, I mean, we talked a little bit about Danny Griffin scoring and then not scoring originally on the, on the feed. They said that it was offsides and then it was like, no, it's not offsides. They tried to call him for a push. Josh, you shared the gif of like the actual play. There was very little contact and he headed the ball into the net. It was mm-hmm. just a bad call. Yeah. He is so the, yeah, the, the media core asked the ref via writing and it was a standard number two push number, whatever it was, blah, blah, blah. That was the official response. And Such a joke. I mean, Bob was, Bob was incest about <laughs> that. And like, I mean, talking about there was a, didn't lead to a goal obviously, but uh, a point where, I mean, Pat Hogan got shoved from behind and the guy headed the ball um, and no, no whistle. Right. Like, and this calls off a goal. Um, I mean, I mean, for, for that, right. Like, and if you watch it back, like when the whistle is blown, when the ref takes action, there's a little bit of time and you see the Birmingham players complaining, like that's the bigger issue that they complained. And it's like, he, like, did he even see what happened or did he just listen to them and buy their story? Like, Either way, that's that's completely inappropriate of a call. Like, I just absurd. I, I liken it to I was literally at a game on uh, Friday night. Uh, the, uh, my son's team played Friday night, and uh, I was sitting on the sidelines with a bunch of other parents. And the refs, the refs were were decent. Um, I mean, they're all like kids, but literally there was a case where you could tell some of these parents could smell blood. And every time somebody was even close, they'd start yelling offsides. And then these kids would call offsides and I'm sitting there, even though it's against us, I'm like, that's not offsides. Like, just just like chill, dude. Like, you don't, you don't have to listen to them. Like go with your gut. Even if your gut's wrong, like just 
I just want to read Bob's quote. We haven't scored a ton of goals, but today, as far as I'm concerned, we scored three. Overall, (laughs) it was a good team effort. Yeah. That felt like very much like, what can I say and not get fined? Like, how can can I walk that line? I like how you think he walked the line. I think he was just like, I don't know. I don't care about the line. Uh, But yeah, it it, it was definitely a, yeah, we scored three. Like, this ref is stupid. (laughs) I mean, there was another moment earlier in the game, too, where Dequa was dribbling it towards the box, got hacked, and then Mm -hmm. the ref called the foul against him. Like, Dequa was in front of the player, had the ball, had his legs taken out, but it was his fault. So... No, I look, I caveats aside, like, you know, this is a Riverhound show. We're all Riverhounds fans. We're all biased towards Riverhounds. But I'm like, I'm still waiting for these kind of calls to go in our favor when called against the team we're playing. Because it feels like it keeps happening to, to us where it's just like goal chalked off or just like ridiculous, no reasoning, like call going against, like against us. It just keeps happening. And I'm waiting. It's like, okay, like, this will average itself out, right? This is just the nature of things. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, it just keeps not happening. Yeah, the Griffin thing was ridiculous. At the end of the match, I loved, it was after, it was, it was I think it was after that great play Dequa made where he made like a lung busting run and like stole the ball and the Birmingham defender pushed him over in the corner. And on the restart, Ibarra touched it back to Dequa and they called him offside. It's like, no, this, that's not possible. <laughs> like, that's not the way the, the rules work. Yeah. Oh, my God. I was like, this is just yeah. ridiculous. But, yeah. I, but I mean, that that run, we, we should talk about that run. I know, Steve, I think you mentioned it earlier. But that run in the dying moments of the game, most mm-hmm. players would let that go. And Dequa <sighs> did not. I mean, that's that goes beyond just scoring goals. Like, that's mm-hmm. that is leadership right there yeah. and it, it's it's everything you know you mentioned him being good at um sort of being the the point the focal point where he can bring the ball down and distribute mm-hmm. backwards he drew mm-hmm. fouls multiple fouls in the new england game to slow the game down he's drawing mm-hmm. fouls in this game to slow the game yep. i think that there if this it, at this pace there is a legitimate argument for him as mvp in the usl this year now i know it's we're 10 games in so, like, we'll see if it continues. But for me thus far, as a biased Hounds fan. Mm-hmm. Usually usually I push back hard against your wild optimism, Mike, <laughs> around this stuff. But, like, I, I, I'm kind of in agreement with you. I mean, it's it's, it's a little – and, I, you know, I don't watch any other games. So I don't really know what the hell other players are doing. Like, maybe they're doing really well. But, I, you know, I, I remember I used to play a little bit of, like, the football manager or maybe it was even fifa i don't know but like there's categories for like strikers right you can be the striker you can be a poacher you can be like a fast forward there was always one category that was just said complete forward and i just i feel like dequa is just a complete forward because yeah he can he can he has a little bit of everything and it's just and he, he constantly kind of uses it to great effect yeah so i mean i i've got a, a question for the group right so right now he's got nine goals on the season in 10 games. So that's 24 more games. Um, how many more does he score? What does he end the season with? I still, I, I mean, I think he probably breaks 20, but just, I, I'd say okay. he, he, he maybe gets 20 goals. So you're saying 11 more goals. Yeah. Okay. 20. Oh man. I have no clue. Like he, He's going to start sharing goals with Griffin though. So it's going to be, cut down because he's not going to be the only option anymore. I'll never so. hear the end of it. 
I, I still think I, I don't disagree, but I also think that he does the dirty things and I think 20 goals is a good shout. Like that's, mm -hmm. that's a lot. I mean, Steve, what were you thinking? So, okay. So I, I was looking at this cause as I was reading the match notes the other day, uh, before the game, um, <clears throat> coming into the game on Saturday, he was in ninth place as the all time hounds goal scorer. Jeez. Okay. He's now in eighth place, uh, uh, moved ahead of Angolu um, with, with two more goals. He at 25 goals as a hound. Um, sitting in second place is Kevin Kerr with 32, right? So, so if, if Kev is right, if you're right, in one season, he goes from not on the board to second place. Yeah. And I'm, I'm fully there. Right. Yeah. Like, like it's seven more goals. He's going to score seven more goals. He's going to like, like the only player ahead of him is going to be Flavius. Right. Like, and he was here for a long time as the only striker. Right. Like that's like, I, I mean, I didn't watch the hounds that early in their tenure, yeah, but it's a different league back then. Right. It's a different, right, like, it's, right. it's completely he's got different. 60. Right. Like, like uh, clear in a way he's going to be right at the top of that list and, and a modern players right i mean you've got kerr brett vincent herzog and golu all in the top 10 right now he's going to be above all of them yeah yeah i mean i, I agree but at the same time I, I maybe we should do some a averaging here as far as like how many games in a season because there, there is a lot of different factors there because mm -hmm. the seasons now are longer than they've ever been sure so, gotta keep that in mind but yeah it's it is impressive regardless mm -hmm. um was wondering we should probably talk about the goal Birmingham scored because I have feelings. <laughs> well, then share your feelings, Josh. This is an open space. I don't understand. Like, okay. Uh, admittedly, I did not get to see it live because there was a, a mallet mm. issue with our drums. And so I had to run to the storage <laughs> container and get new mallets. So that way we would have our second drummer back up and running. So I'm like walking behind the stadium. And I just hear everyone go, boo. I'm like, crap. They just scored. So like I missed the goal live, so I had to watch it on replay. Wait, like no movement at all. Like, did was he surprised they kicked the ball? Was like I No, I'm yeah. not upset with it. I I, I think what if happened? that's on the other side of the goal, it's his responsibility. That's the like like he's got the wall lined up to cover that side of the goal. He's leaning the other way, the ball is hit, he's off balance, and he doesn't have the moment to react nobody jumped in the wall. Like, like they made it far too easy for that ball to get up and over the wall and back down. So you're, not, you're saying not Wade's fault. You're saying it's the wall's fault. Cause no one even jumped. I, 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 I'm not saying it's, I mean, it's his responsibility to organize the defense in that sense. But in terms of making that save, he's supposed to be covering the other side of the goal, not decide that the wall should be keeping the ball from dipping back down into it. So Kev, we you we know you're typically critical of the keepers. We have one for Wall's fault. We have one for keepers' fault. Where do you land on this? Okay, oh, oh, I'll give you an answer. My no, you won't. <laughs> this is one of those like I'm going to answer the question my, you didn't ask me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, my 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 inclination more is to say it's it's the. It's like it's the Birmingham player who struck the ball's fault. I think I think it was a really well taken free kick. I mean, like on on some on some times you kind of just have to say, 
look. I mean, it was a great free kick and it went in the top corner. And that being said, I I am leaning a little bit more towards weight should should you know get closer than he does. Um, I, you know, I you know, I, I, as you guys were talking about this, I went back and I looked at the clip. You're right, like Steve, that part of the wall doesn't jump and the other part does like so yeah. and it looks like it just goes above their heads yep. so maybe if they jump and you blah, blah blah but i think you know i don't know i think weight probably needs to do a little better yeah i i think the other thing you you said it there kev right like how many times does that ball actually even get on frame in a usl game right yeah. like i i think what's just a 17 mind year old kid. Yeah, yeah yeah this is a 17 year old kid just lights out stone cold over the wall and under the bar yeah no it was a great who hit. cares yeah. no yeah and, right? like, and i'm sure that's kind of what goes through the goalie's mind in in moments like that it's like look if you put this in the top corner great like try and yeah. and he did <laughs> so wow. but yeah no i'm, <laughs> I'm yeah. it's a three-one win josh <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I know, but that was still <laughs> irksome. Just seeing the wall, well, like, yeah, you're right. Not jumping and, and mm-hmm. weight, not moving. It just, it all felt like we were in quicksand there, uh, you know, and it's just, it's irksome. irksome. I'm trying to see who didn't jump. I can't tell who it is. Uh, I, no, I'm with you, Joe. I'm, I'm with you. I, I, I think, yeah, you can't have, if you're a championship team, you can't have moments where you switch off during the game yeah. and just assume things don't happen or whatever and to continue to add a little bit to the bitterness around this i will say we were just praising dequa and i think he deserves all the praise i remember last year birmingham's goalkeeper like played out of his soul right like he was he was amazing i thought the goalkeeper was really bad for them this game like i think dequa kind of got two pretty soft goals in my view like i think on another night if you come up against a good goalkeeper i think he maybe even saves both of them. I'm not sure anybody saves that second one because the positioning of where Dequa was to get inside the defender on, I mean, he had two defenders on him and I I mean, I was, I was close on the field at that point getting video and man, like I couldn't believe he got, he even got to the ball much less got that angle on it. And I mean, it just, squeaked through like the keeper was leaning the other way ready to come out i i mean i don't think the keeper was making the wrong decision i just think that it was just like and i mean he talked about it in in uh in the post game like bob had told him get yourself inside the shoulder of that defender you're gonna find a ball to get onto and that was goal number two yeah no, go ahead. I was gonna say I got I got one closing thought on this game because I'm we're already gonna run long and that's fine. Um, but um, Steve, you know, you were talking to Dequa post game, mm-hmm. and one of the things that he mentioned, uh, you asked him like, you know, with all of this depth, how do you keep mm-hmm. getting how how do, how do players keep getting on the field? Mm-hmm. And he said that one of the biggest things is the depth in the competition, and if you mm-hmm. don't show up at practice, you're not going to play in the game. Mm-hmm. And in this game, you had. Mike DeShields comes on and almost immediately scores. We already talked. We, we didn't even mention Biasi yet. Like last mm-hmm. week, we were like, Biasi is legit outside back, like legit. Right. You know, comes on as a sub. Etu comes on as a sub. Ibarra comes on as a sub. Earlier this season, I said, mm-hmm. prove me wrong. I want to come on this show and say that I was wrong. 
I'm like 90% of the way there. Like I, I kind of feel like, like everything we're seeing in my like doomsday preseason prediction, there's a lot here that I'm, I'm liking. And so it's hard for me to be too negative about this team. Right. Well, I mean, we yeah. talked about the midfield competition, yeah. right? I mean, we're going to be at a point soon where we've got three or two out and out wing backs, a flexible wing back slash uh, outside center back and multiple other center backs that all are vying for playing time. And depending on the formation, right? So, I mean, you've got, you've got uh, Rovi, Biasi, uh, Dos Santos, Hogan, uh, um, uh, Arturo, um, uh, Blackstock, Farrell, um, maybe uh, Alal at some point, if he can make it back in, right? Like, I mean, that's, that's eight guys for at most five spots on the field that when there's four at the back, what are we doing? Right. Like seven for four at the right. Like, I mean, the competition is just insane at every spot on the field right now, except for forward. And that's only because Chico's put in putting in a goal every almost 90 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. So two things. One, only thing worse than Van Ockel's uh, keeping was his haircut. Um, <laughs> it was terrible. I don't know if it got close-ups of it, but his hair looks awful. Save, saving the low blows for late. Go yeah. Ahead, yeah. And two, uh, another sad part of the fact that Griffin's goal first, you know, time playing in front of the steel arm or in front of Highmark uh, this season uh, was called off was his goal celebration was so great. I don't yeah. know if you guys saw the picture that got shared from the hounds today. Uh, but yeah, him in the Steel Army section, mm -hmm. just looking so happy. Smoke was popped. We all thought it was a goal, mm -hmm. and then yeah. just and it was. slowly realized sl it was a goal. Yeah, slowly yeah. realizing why is the ball all the way still down here? Why is the keeper about ready to kick the ball? That oh no. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, yeah. What the Steel Army tweet was, you know, bet he's glad he's back. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Well, guys, a, a huge points. You know, I think we had talked about early in the season. I know I was concerned about Birmingham's offense. I'm still concerned about Birmingham's offense. I think they have a really good offense, but we were able to hold them to, um, you know, basically. I mean, the, but as were the past two teams that they played as well. This yeah. is true. Yes. So um, I think my last word on the Birmingham, I thought this was two really good teams squaring up against each other, both taking shots at each other. And I think, over the course of the game, we were the team who created more and better chances, and we deserve yep. to get the three points, and that's what happened. I think that's Asher right. who? Asher <laughs> who? That's right. He what still looked say? good. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> he, he was on the field? I didn't know that. Okay. <laughs> Guys, we are now officially 10 games in, which means we can officially look at the standings. Yay! So on the screen right now, for those of you watching, which um, – Probably is no one because it's you know who's watching us at this point. Uh, JF they, is still yeah, here. JF is still here. Thank you, JF. Um, we got the standings. The battery are currently the number one team in the East, although they did lose handedly this weekend. They got crushed. Uh, followed by Louisville, Birmingham, Tampa. We are currently in fifth, but we are tied on points with Tampa, who are in fourth. We've got 14 points. 
Um, most importantly, Detroit City, five points and in last place. Woo! So I, you know, <laughs> we're at this point, we're sort of comfortably in a playoff spot. I know it's early. I almost feel ridiculous actually looking at the standings and actually thinking anything about them at this point. But just for context, if you're like, how are the Hounds performing? Here we got it. You know, we got three wins, um, what, two losses and five draws. And now we're going to start this homestand. Uh, coming up here uh, over the course of the summer. We'll see if we can put some more points on the board and uh, and see what we can do. But um, I think my favorite thing about this is not necessarily even our place in the table. It's the fact that I feel like at this point in previous seasons, you would either have a Louisville or a Tampa who have gone like nine Bananas. wins and a draw. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. and no one's like that. So it's mm-hmm. it feels like it's going to be a much more wide open field this time around. Agreed. So that's the standings, guys. Um, let's talk just quickly about Pick'em. So we had two games for Pick'em this week in terms of movement. Kevin has not moved at all, so the chase is on. Uh, we had a couple people pick the the Birmingham game dead on. We had, like I said, two people get the result of the New England game just right. So still leading our Pick'em is Kevin with 11. Laura Ellen Woo! with 9 and Dan Yost at 9. Uh, and then Devin Pay with 8 points. Keaton Liebengood with seven, and Michael Finn has now climbed onto the screen with seven points as well. The thing that I just I keep thinking about every time I put this together is that we are all terrible at this. Um, it's very hard to pick scores in the USL. So if you're interested in potentially winning two free season tickets for the Hounds in 2024, get involved every week before every game, including the Open Cup games. We put out a tweet. We put up a post over on YouTube. You go over to YouTube. You leave a comment with your score predictions. Uh, three points if you get the score exactly correct. One point if you pick the correct result. So win, t- draw, loss. Uh, no points if you don't get either of those. And uh, it's still anyone's contest at this point. You know, you figure Kevin got 11 points out of, 12 games so like we're all averaging less than a point a game at this point so you can jump in and uh and make it happen it's a lot i mean if you get a point a game that's great right because you that means you're constantly calling the correct outcome result yeah yeah yeah, yeah. You're calling you're calling the right result which like i said is still really hard to do um <laughs> guys vegas comes to town this saturday steve you already, you already alluded to the fact that they can't win um not not like saying that optimistically that they there's no way they can beat the house they literally have not won yet this year um they uh their last place in the west three losses six draws mm-hmm. you know that said they've conceded six goals less than birmingham so like birmingham's a pretty good team so they've kept six more out of their goal than birmingham has um, when you try to compare the two teams, we essentially have the same number of shots on target and shooting accuracy as they do. The difference is just that our defense is a lot better than theirs. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the, the one, the one thing that I always seem to look for, I know Houndsy looks for it as well. There's no former hounds in the squad, so we don't run the risk of a former hound scoring on us. They're even just looking through the list. There were a few familiar names just from being around the league for that long, but there's no standout players that sort of grabs you and, and makes you worried. So, um, guys, any thoughts with uh, with Vegas coming to town before we get into our score predictions here? There's talks that this could be a trap game because of the fact that it is going it, to be a game right at before the Open Cup. So we're kind of very much going to be looking mm-hmm. towards the Open Cup. It might be easy to look past this game uh, for the guys. Um, 
I don't think that's going to be the case, but that is kind of like the fear about this game is that it's it has the the makings of a trap game. Um, yeah, so just keep that in mind. I I think if in I would feel more worried about this being a trap game if it was like Detroit or like Loudon, like a closer. The fact that they're coming from Vegas and like they they've been so poor, at, you know, they can almost write this one off as a gimme and then get back to to West Coast action. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. We're doing predictions we do kev it? yeah i was i was like who should i pick on first kev <laughs> give us a score prediction one nil hounds one nil hounds steve what do you got he took my score prediction um you can take this too yeah I'm, I'm i'm gonna pick one nil because i think that there's no way that vegas is gonna find a goal um but they're gonna play open because they also are able to give up some goals and somebody is going to score their first goal of the season, I think, um, or a midfielder is going to score their second or something like that. Right. Like, I went, I went, Ooh, like you were alluding to somebody that could have been 90% of our team. Right. Right. No, but, it, but it's going to be like, like, I, I, I don't think Deke was going to be the scorer. Uh, I don't think Kiz is going to be the scorer, right? Like those are our multi-goal scorers. If I have it right. Um, Danny, it is. Got it. it Danny, Kenny, <laughs> Robbie, Marky, um, give Mertz it to Hedder. a defender, right? Like, um, or or one of those guys that is pushing for time, like like DZ or Langston or Tola. Yeah, I like it, Josh. Actually, going two one. Um, I know it seems you know them scoring, but they've actually only not scored. I think in two games so far this season, they usually at least score one goal. Uh, also, keep in mind most of their games have been away, so it, it's not exactly like they're you know having a huge issue because they are drawing a lot and they're drawing away a lot. So, well, they yeah. were drawing away a lot at the beginning of the season and that's kind of started to change a little bit. Yeah. Also, I mean, like, our, I don't know. Our defense is good, but it's not great. Like yeah. we, we haven't, if you exclude open cup games, and I know that's a huge asterisk, but if you exclude open cup games, we haven't had a shout out for a month. And yeah. so I don't know. But I also look at the quality of the like, like what it takes to beat our defense and put the ball in the back of the net, right? Like, I mean, it's took a goal from a set piece this weekend, yeah. and in Monterey, I mean, both of those goals were like, I mean, you guys talked about it last week, right? Like, I mean, yeah. Alex's goal was if if we had done that, we'd be singing the praises of how amazing of a goal it was, and Christian's goal was really nice too, right? Like, it, it's taking special plays. I haven't watched Las Vegas, but I don't see anything in what I'm looking at with them that tells me that they're scoring really good technical goals That's from open play. I love that like you guys go first and then you just talk all this through so that I have more time to like digest <laughs> all of it and think through what I actually think. I think the one other wild card for me in terms of picking this is how much does that open cup game influence Lily's lineup decision? You know, if you have a lot of guys that are battling and you have some that are like on the fence of like, oh, they could be starting or, or, or you know, there's a really good battle, then maybe do you give the spot to the guy who you don't think you're going to start in the Open Cup? And how much does that impact what actually happens on the field? Um, I was inclined to say, like, just go gangbusters and say like three nothing hounds. I don't know if that's going to be the case if we have... But you know what? There've also been time. I mean, a, a decent chunk of the New England game did not feature Deke or Kenny mm-hmm. Forbes. So I'm saying three no hounds. Let's yeah. do it. Nice. 
Love it. Yeah. But I, 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 I like what you said there, Mike, like, uh, and it, it makes me think like we watched it in new England, right? Like a team that was not a starting 11 or 11 of the starting 14 players that Bob can choose from still went out and found a way to get a goal from somebody and keep a good team off the board. And why do we think anything's going to change this week? Yeah, agreed. JF, who is still watching live, predicted a 3-2 Hounds win. So thanks, JF, for hanging with us. Um, you too could be watching us live and, and participating in the comments. We always appreciate it. It's a good time. Guys, that's what we think. Let us know what you think. Um, this was a great conversation. Lots of fun, as evident by the fact that we're sort of almost 20 minutes over. Um, <laughs> So hopefully you enjoyed it as well. Check us out on Twitter. Uh, well, you know, we had a lot of discussion about Twitter. We'll see what sort of happens there with the way that's going. But make sure that you follow us on YouTube for all of the latest. Uh, we might be going somewhere else as well. So if you're if you are somewhere else, um, religiously, socially, that sounds really weird. If you're on certain <laughs> social platforms, let us know. Maybe we'll go there too. Um, yeah, huge game this week against Vegas. If you haven't got your tickets yet for Columbus, do it soon because there's mm -hmm. not, you, you, there may not be any left as of this recording. So um, it's, it's, a, it's a great time to be a Hounds fan. So mm -hmm. thanks, everybody. We'll talk to you very, very soon. Cheers. Later. See ya. <laughs>